Warning, this program typically features respectful, nuanced, and well-informed commentary, strong language, obscure pop culture references, and spurious allegations. We know of new methods of attack. The Trojan Horse, the fifth column. Greetings and welcome back to another exciting installment of the Fifth Column Podcast. This is your weekly rhetorical assault in the news cycle of people that make it and occasionally ourselves. I'm Camille Foster. I do glorious things at a place called Freethink. I'm delighted to be here this week. This is very, this is very exciting. And it's a privilege for me to be here. Mm-hmm. And I am with two distinguished gentlemen of honor and integrity who have never, ever, ever led me astray. Michael Moynihan, Vice News, Matt Welch, editor at Large Reason Magazine. How are you gentlemen doing this fine first day of September? I, I don't feel that this is a privilege. <laughs> I just, maybe you feel it's a privilege, but I, I really feel like I'm, you know, wasting my time here. I'm saying uh, being, being assembled together start. is a privilege. I want to be very yeah. clear about this because I think you'll acknowledge that that is in fact a privilege. I mean, yeah, you I'm are just, in my, in my presence and that alone <laughs> yeah, is, that's amazing. is worthwhile. I, I'm Come just on. pretty sure that I've led you astray. On a couple of occasions. On a couple of occasions. I mean, it's not too like the Velvet Rope Club. I think you mm. led me to that and probably Moynihan to that recently as well. Uh, actually, they, they don't have velvet ropes at Jumbos, I suppose. Well, but, there, uh, was a, there was a place that did have a velvet rope. And apparently, according to legend, because I don't remember any of this, I thought that I could get in past the velvet rope um, with a blood alcohol level of about 78 and my charm. <laughs> Um, and, uh, Camille prevented me from doing this. Um, and I believe pointed out to me that I was the only white guy within about a 40 mile radius. (laughs) I'm confident that wasn't me. You're confusing me with someone else. Yeah, because I, I, I was like, it was full on. Like I was like, hey guys, let me, uh, let me take care of this. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll, I'll get us in. Not a problem, guys. Come, come with me. And then uh, I, I got this. Someone get the hook out and uh, hooks me back <laughs> into another Uber. I so, see what you yeah. did there. That's a, is that yeah. a Blues Traveler reference? Is that what you were no, doing? No, no. Blues Traveler reference. The hook no. brings you back. That's the one with the fat guy, right? Well, he was fat. I think he is unfat now, although he may have put the weight back on again, which is fine. Yeah. Because body positivity. I think he cheated in the unfat thing. Did he cheat? Yeah, I think so. I think he had the... The, the surgery. The, the surgery, the bands. Which can be perilous. Which can be perilous. He was the I don't know why I know brother that. of a guy who <laughs> lived in Budapest and was like an expat journalist. Uh-huh. And imagine in the 90s, you got to be John Popper's brother. As the That's actually pretty badass. Yeah. That's pretty badass. Uh, the Hook is, I mean, that is a great song. <laughs> Can we just talk about that today? Are you Oh, dear God. I can do the whole thing. It's That's a pretty, pretty short good. window, by the way, where being John Popper's brother is really, um, you know, loosening belts. Was it loosening belts ever? Across Central Europe. <laughs> it's mostly a burden. <laughs> um, I have a family connection, too. There's a family connection in my, uh, but I'm not going to. You have a family connection to John Popper? Mm-hmm. Really? Not related. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I can't, I, can't, I can't talk about it. It's very secret. Oh, one of those. You're going to let that dongle? Yeah. Uh, my father was the one who performed the gastric bypass. <laughs> He's very entrepreneurial. In a back alley. In like <laughs> Foxborough, Massachusetts on the 35-yard line? That's really confusing. Yeah, at Schaefer Stadium. We still call it that. <laughs> um, but, uh, oh, by the way, I'm going to promote mm. something right now. And it involves both of you, because you said a Uh-oh. weekly rhetorical assault. Somebody just tweeted at us. Uh, they just started listening to the podcast. Give us more. I just want to say that the, I'm cutting a little a sampler for you now, but um, unfortunately, I had to get my house ready for a, a visit of the Welsh family, uh, so it, mm. t- it took me away from it for all the day. Um, 
But we do. Uh, it's a weekly uh, rhetorical assault, but it's actually twice weekly. That's if true. If you aren't a cheap bastard, because the real, the real stuff is over there at the Patreon. And I just yeah. want to say that because when I was putting this together, I was like, man, these last two ones are real bangers. We don't really, <laughs> we don't really care over there because for some reason <laughs> we think that like people who could like ruin our lives don't have like ten bucks, or that they weren't aren't willing to part with it to like get the keys to the kingdom and see all the horrible things that we say behind the paywall. So huh. if you really want to figure out like what's really wrong with us, <laughs> yeah. uh, get out that and debit also, card. <laughs> and also what's really wrong with the listeners. Let's be honest. Oh my God. We read a lot of, uh, oh, we problem. read a lot of mail there. Yeah. They're yeah. enablers. And, uh, oh yeah. my God. That too. Yeah. It's, yeah. Just, that's a weird relationship. Honestly, go yeah. two back and there's one from a guy about what's, <laughs> he wants me to come to his funeral. Um, he's not sick. I don't think. Um, but I think maybe he's going to do so. I don't know. But he wants me to do something Unclear. really gross at it. And uh, Matt read this to me. And uh, mm -hmm. that's in the permanent record. And my daughter has to hear that someday. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't have when to. They're but when they're doing the fifth column to. box set and they're getting her yeah. approval. <laughs> On Friday when we show up. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, since you got that little projector, uh, Michael, that we were uh, texting each other about, oh, yeah. we can like maybe text uh, some of these uh, things while we're listening to or do like a, a psychedelic show where we listen to people's insane uh, fantasia about the FFL. Man, you're, That's man, pretty you're good. making a plan for my house, aren't you? Well, <laughs> someone's got to. All, right, All you're doing is cleaning. I hope you're bringing some, you know, avocados and some beer or something. I don't know what you bring. What do you bring? Is that what you're bringing? Something? Is your wife coming uh, too, by the way? Sorry, listeners, I got to yeah. make some plans here. Just hold on one second. <laughs> we're not. Yeah. Just to be clear, we never talk to each other. Except twice a week on podcasts. Yeah. I don't even know these guys. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I thought uh, Matt was wife... black until the video thing started working. <laughs> it just, I just had no idea. I really did. Zoom changed yeah. everything. Apparently, it's Camille's really, really... that guy. It's the shimmer. It's the shimmer in Matt's voice. That's what it is. I learned that from John <laughs> McWhorter. The shimmer. Shimmer? Yeah, we yeah, talked yeah. about that. Yeah. The David Shimmer? <laughs> it's the linguistics thing. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, we'll be out there. But go on with a with the program by all means yeah what are we gonna talk about there's plenty of stuff that we could talk about this week there have been some developments in texas apparently they pass in a bunch of laws out there and has some people um out of source mm -hmm. voting voting rights related stuff some abortion related mm -hmm. stuff um also apparently the end of a 20-year military engagement the united states has flown its last military plane out of afghanistan earlier this week um, all of the military personnel were on board and as President Joe Biden promised 100% of the Americans who were in Afghanistan who wanted to leave left with them because that mm. is what he said would happen. That's what he said. That was August 18th. That's a long time. You're right. Ago. It is yeah. a long time. Yeah. That was five days ago, man. It's fine now. Everything's fine. No, that's not exactly what happened. But yes, the U.S. military did pull out. So there's there's some things there worth talking about. The Taliban uh, is trying to pull together a government there dealing with a number of headwinds, but they did have a very fancy parade, mm -hmm. um, and we can we can talk about the parade and the fireworks. I think they're calling it V Day. I mean, yeah. So it's a yeah, big deal victory, for them. victory in Kabul day. Uh, you know, there's there would be a man kissing a woman like in the equivalent of Kabul's Times Square, but the women can't come outside, so they're just kind of not kissing anyone. But they're they are driving around in the what fifteen thousand Humvees that we left them. I'm watching this, and I was like, you know, the humiliation of losing. A war like this is, I think, pretty substantial, actually, when the, how it kind of 
unwound. Um, and, you know, people who listen to this podcast and know us know that we're not opposed to, no one here is opposed to this actually happening, and, and I think all of us wanted it to happen. Mm -hmm. yep. But... By which you mean a parade of, of yes. seventh century <laughs> oh, been, yeah. bearded psychos. Yes, I've been working I, I, with no women. Was, it's yeah. the withdrawal for me. I've, I've been wanting yeah. a withdrawal. Yeah. I have a party planning business Secession uh, of military. that mostly works in Afghanistan. So I did get the contract for this while I'm promoting it. Right, um, right. But yeah, to see this is like, I mean, not only that, they're wearing American military gear, uniforms, night vision goggles. The list of the, the stuff that's been left behind is so appalling. And to see these people driving through Kabul, I mean, the humiliation is compounded by like a hundred when you see them actually, you know, with like <laughs> millions and millions of dollars uh, of stuff paid, by, paid for by American taxpayers. And then, of course, you know, now comes the point in which these um, psychopaths try to figure out how to fly a C-130 and uh, some of the helicopters we left. I mean, obviously, they were, they were damaged. There was a great thing on Al Jazeera. Did you see this? An Al Jazeera person went to Bagram with, with the Taliban people, and they were looking at these um, out-of-commission um, Blackhawks and, and other things. And mm -hmm. the guy was mad. He was like, I yeah. can't believe they broke them. They, like, just, why they did destroyed they these things on their way. Yeah, the it's like, yeah. We, we can't use them now. Like, what were they thinking? And I'm like, what a waste. You, you realize <laughs> that like 48 hours ago, you were our enemy, right? You realize how that works. Um, and yeah, you know, I don't like, they were like smashed windows and things like that. But they weren't set on fire. They weren't blown up. And one presumes they're going to have people come in and probably try to repair that. Um, and they're going to have a pretty good... Uh, a fleet of helicopters, of attack helicopters. I mean, you think they'll be able to repair those? I mean, I don't know what they did to them, but yeah. when you see them in the video, the the the, the plane, the helicopters are helicopters. They probably cut cables and did all sorts of things. But I mean, one would imagine that it's just slowing them down. Um, but they did leave also uh, helicopters that were bequeathed to the uh, Afghan forces. Um, in functioning order, which is why if you look at the military parade, it was all American material. And it was so Aye. unbelievably depressing to see. No matter what you think about the war and whether it should have been prosecuted at all in the first place, to see that, it just really you know, hurt me to see. It's incredibly difficult to know exactly what is going on on the ground there. But by all accounts, they probably have one of the better equipped militaries in the region. Yeah. And it's worth uh, reiterating, as Camille alluded to earlier, we still have people there. Mm -hmm. uh, there are still uh, uh, an uncounted exactly number of Americans, of people who qualify for uh, repatriation or refugee status, who we didn't get before the August 31st deadline. Uh, there's even, I don't know if you guys saw this, there's a, there's a rogue Republican congressman from Oklahoma yes. with a crazy name. Mark Wayne Mullen. Mark Wayne is his name. <laughs> Mark it's Wayne not even Mullen. two names. He seems it's like a Mark failed Wayne. country singer. Mark Wayne Mullen. Mark Wayne Mullen uh, uh, was like, he was calling the U.S. ambassador to Tajikistan on Monday. That's always a bad Monday. Yeah. I don't recommend being <laughs> I doing did it that like on Monday. I three weeks ago. The guy was pissed. <laughs> Asking for help bringing in a tremendous amount of cash from Tbilisi in order to travel to neighboring Afghanistan to rescue via helicopter an American citizen and her four children mm. still in the Taliban-controlled nation. I don't mean that to uh, mock Mark Wayne or his name, uh, just more to illustrate like just the craziness of everything. I talked this morning to 
Peter Meyer, uh, who's a uh, been on the show a couple of times on the program on the Patreon, a Zoom even uh, on at least one occasion when we, uh, for Patreon subscribers. And hopefully he'll be coming back on with us in uh, in a short while. But he went out there uh, pretty uh, controversially at first, along with Seth Moulton, a, a Democrat from Massachusetts, uh, to see what was going on on the ground and how that was different than what they were being told. Um, and uh, and he said it the, just incredibly night and day, uh, like changed his mind about what he thought about what should be done. Uh, didn't realize until you got on the ground that, oh, yeah, everybody here depends on um, uh, the Taliban operating the perimeter around the airport and letting in and out Americans as they choose. Um, and so, therefore, he came to the conclusions we really need to get the hell out, even as much as he was uh, uh, pissed off that the Biden administration went so fast uh, in the wake of a collapsed government that we stranded people behind. It's um, it's remarkable how few people are commenting on the administration's kind of blithe comments about how we're working with the Taliban. And they say this as if it's completely normal. And not, it's not only, the, by the way, that we've been at war with the Taliban, it's just who the Taliban are. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's been so long, 20 years, that very few people remember what the Taliban meant and how it echoed in your brain in 2001. And around that time, it's pre-YouTube, but I remember the videos circulating of, um, and I'll, I'll never forget them, I watched them, it was like the first time I ever watched something that was essentially a snuff film, it was a stadium full of people in Kabul where they were executing women with AK-47s, and women would be kneeling down and with burqas on and shot in the back of the head. Jeez. And it's, you can find those videos, it was, it, they were, it, and it was, it was released, um, I'm doing this from memory, so tell me if I could be wrong. I think the group is called Rawa, R-A-W-A. -A. Like it was like a feminist group from Afghanistan of like dissident women and people I think that left Afghanistan who were distributing those videos and saying, this is the enemy and this is uh, who we're dealing with. And now it's so weird to have this shift to talk about them as if they're just a normal um, you know, group of guys who, who ended up beating us in this war over 20 years because they were better at it than we were. It's like, no, they just kind of, they had more will to fight and they don't really mind if they die. So, and you know, also this is, we're going to see pretty soon because I remember back then too, another comparison was that, you know, this, this Sunni group is not going to cooperate with the Shia group. And we find out later that of course they, you know, cooperate in the, in the broader sense of, of, um, you know, attacking America or facilitating attacks on America. This happened here and there. But it was always this conversation. They don't work together because of this. And this whole conversation now is ISIS-K, the uh, farm team of, of ISIS from Oneonta, the AA club, is, um, you know, just miraculously gets through this uh, security cordon at the airport and kills an extraordinary number of people, 60, 70, something like that. And, um, you know, I don't suspect that the Taliban's really working hard to break up those cells right now. And I think that we're going to see after... Because the Taliban, look, the, the thing that we know right now is they have a country to run and they need international support because they can do nothing. They are cavemen. They don't know how to produce anything. They don't know how to operate anything. They know how to kill. That is it. So now is the part of governing. So now is the part that they pretend to be reasonable. They pretend to be Taliban, Taliban 2.0. And then fools like Michael Moore fall for it. But don't fall for it because obviously they're just biding their time trying to get the international community on their side and get some cash from us. So 
It is interesting to look at the reporting over the course of the last couple of days, I mean, particularly today, as people start to turn their attention to what the new normal will look like in Afghanistan, reading these accounts of people meeting with the new uh, central bank boss who is apparently assuring banks that we're going to be responsible, we're going to do the right thing here. We want to keep the financial system moving and, of course, has no plan whatsoever for how to properly capitalize the banks so that they continue to, can continue to function. Instead, they continue to close because they're like out of money as everyone is withdrawing mm-hmm. all of their cash from the banks. And this is a country that has been in a bit of a tailspin for a number of years now with increasing poverty rates despite tremendous amounts of U.S. cash being poured into this country because it has a completely corrupt political system. And I mean, I, I just don't I don't know. It is hard to hold out hope for a good outcome here. Um, one of the things that has been, I think, particularly shocking in the last couple of days, however, and shocking in some respects, but in, in other respects, not at all alarming, is this really extensive report um, in the Washington Post, I guess, two days ago now, um, surprise, panic, and fateful choice, the day America lost its longest war. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of bylines on this thing. Um, it's like the, 48 bylines. Yeah, probably it's more people big... than we got out of Kabul. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> by by a little bit, maybe. <laughs> by uh, a but, few. but probably the most controversial element of all of this is that it it was revealed that there was a deal of sorts that maybe kind of sort of was struck between the U.S. government and the Taliban, where the Taliban was saying, "We'll stay outside of Kabul if you will arrange for some kind of peaceful transition of power to us." obviously afterwards. And as you mentioned a moment ago, regardless of what your position is on whether or not we should have gone, the fact that there was so much ineptitude leading up to the withdrawal, so many mistakes made along the way that have almost certainly made things worse in some way, shape or form. And it's especially maddening because I just don't know that we're actually going to learn any of the lessons that we really ought to from this, but we'll have to see. The really frustrating thing about this is that I don't want to, I desperately don't want to, because at the beginning of this, I was like, you know, look, the media is giving giving Joe Biden a hard time. Like, I don't want to be the person who points out because it's always a bad position to be in. It makes it look like a dumb partisan that um, they're taking it easy on Joe Biden. And uh, I think that there's half of the country that say that say that's not true. But that report didn't really get as much attention as I thought it should have. And the second uh-huh. report, I'm trying to find, find now. I might be wrong about this. I was a quick look before we started this. Leaked call from Biden uh-huh. and Ghani that d- the quote that I was look for does not appear. It, it seems in the New York Times. I can't find it in the New York Times. And Reuters have reported it. They did a good job of getting this leaked transcript of this call. And there's a sentence in it. And I'm going to read you the sentence. And this is um, Joe Biden to Ghani. And he says, I need not tell you the perception around the world and in parts of Afghanistan is that things are not going well in terms of the fight against the Taliban. And here's the key part. And there is a need, whether it is true or not, there is a need to project a different picture. So mm-hmm. we, have, we have a transcript of the president of the United States telling a foreign leader, saying, we got to lie about this. We should lie yeah. and make this look better. And for some reason, I don't see this being widely reported. It seems to no. me rather rather damning and rather should be at the very minimum rather is controversial. It, is it not potentially defensible though? I mean, from a, from an optics standpoint, the American backed regime in Afghanistan was in an active fight with the Taliban at that point, projecting confidence in the weeks before the United States is about to leave 
and asserting confidently and forcefully that we are going to win, we're making progress and trying to spin a story of some sorts. And for the U.S. president to be saying that it, in a direct conversation with the president of Afghanistan, it doesn't seem so far beyond the pale. That seems a little less than we it's should the, be actively lying about this. It's the parenthetical. It's almost a parenthetical he says, when he mm -hmm. says whether it's true or not. And mm -hmm. we expect there is a need. There's a there need. There is a <laughs> yeah, don't need. Lie. He's saying this. And he's saying this in, I think it was late July, right? Yeah. And we should all, you know, if this is a leaked transcript of a phone call. Right. Who leaked it? Got to take it with a grain you of salt, know? for sure. Pete, no, I mean, I, I totally believe it's Providence. Um, uh, and I also would uh, strongly suspect that it's someone um, who has the ability to hear that and who's outraged by the president's policy and that that is the motivating factor here um we've got plenty of of indications over the years that different people in the military or in the intelligence apparatus uh were not happy with either biden's or trump's ideas about getting out of afghanistan so that all makes sense um in july what is the problem <laughs> july the problem is that the afghan state such as it exists is absolutely collapsing and your plans that are based on negotiations with the taliban and certain benchmarks you do this we do this mm -hmm. um and also dependent on a certain amount of security that's going to be involved there it is an absolute tail spinning disarray right so the the things that need to be dealt with there are kind of operational and logistical more than public relations at all, which is a word. Um, <laughs> I'm sure that's part of it, but like it just really isn't part of that. And that's a lesson for the gray beards like Moynihan out there. Um, this is something that people do from Vietnam. I mean, there is there's just a nonstop level of like we're going to portray the capturing of this hill as being super important and decisive. And you can't that's not a strategy. No. Um, that's like that's that's so downstream from the from the active problem in front of you. The active problem in front of you is like, what are you going to do now that everything is collapsing? Are you going to uh, keep your date certain of leaving um, and the conditions under which you're going to do that? Or are you going to change that around a little bit? And it doesn't look like that uh, Joe Biden was agile in that moment, to put it. Kindly. And Camille, I get, I mean, I, I agree with your point too, but the, I think the difference is this, and, and it's not, of course, um, a precise parallels. So I don't think I'm making one, but the, the Matt's point about Vietnam is that there was nobody in the country except for the credulous few and the diehard, um, you know, Nixon supporters, uh, particularly the student movement, um, you know, the Democratic Party, people on the left in general who thought that the government was being honest with us about any of this stuff at, at any mm. time, mostly people on the ground and um, uh, uh, soldiers and, uh, that are in Vietnam, in country. So when Daniel Ellsberg gets these papers and then leaks them to the New York Times and then the Washington Post publishes them too, it's not that we're surprised by what they're saying. It's just that they got caught saying it. And that's a slightly different thing. I mean, it's a, you know, we know that Joe Biden, I mean, Jen Psaki's uh, press conferences have been 
absolute master's classes of just like ignoring actual mm-hmm. questions. Oh, yeah. And just doing these kind of loops around with this kind of blather and babble that makes no sense. And in the other sense of Joe Biden, who just will, or, or military leaders who take about two or three questions and then, then, and then leave. I think it was Catherine Herridge today who was quite angry that the, at a military briefing that um, that they weren't answering basically any questions. There was a couple, a couple, but it's actually, she's a terrific reporter. She's a real reporter. deal reporter. And unfortunately, yeah. sometimes uh, tarnished by, by association with some people who are kind of clowns. But, um, but yeah, I mean, the, the frustration with this stuff um, is very real. And then, you know, you get this leaked transcript and you have someone saying, look, we're going to tell them, or we should tell them, we have a need to tell them, that it's better than it is. And then on the end of that, when it ends in utter chaos, like true chaos, mm-hmm. then that actually takes on a different kind of poignancy and a yeah. different level of kind of culpability is that this is coming apart at the scenes and you actually were trying to engineer us knowing less about this than we actually know now. So yeah, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, it's, you know, again, it doesn't shift like the tectonic plates here. It doesn't make much of a difference in, in, in a year or two years from now. I probably don't even remember this quote. But it is, I think, important to note that, you know, they may not be carrying water for Joe Biden on this issue, but it's uh, astonishing to me that this bit of information isn't getting more, more um, press coverage. Every time the presidents lie, especially about uh, issues of national security, that is worth getting the drudge siren out for. Yeah. If you've lost the ability to be upset about presidents lying, this is something that I said during the Trump administration. He lied when he farted and woke up in the morning. It was a, a fart lie. Mm. Um, <laughs> you still need to, as a citizen... Kind of a classic Matt uh, Welch locution. It's a fart lie. You're keep your outrage available for the fart lie. Um, and especially when it's uh, something that's of importance and to sort of like pretend that it's not is wrong. I would like to say one quick thing in his speech. We're recording this on Wednesday night. Uh, Joe Biden, who's the president, apparently gave a speech. <laughs> I'm not sure on, he's aware Someone should remind him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Come on, I think, I think Kamala Harris is not reminding him. It's like, uh, <laughs> who? Who's that? Mr. President, Mr. President, yeah. can we ask you a question, Mr. President? I have ice cream. Can we get time. you in your bathrobe? Can you wander around the neighborhood? <laughs> why, why are you talking? It's not time for questions. They told me there's only three of you asking questions. Yeah. This is Margaret from NPR. <laughs> You're going to be nice, right, Margaret? (laughs) He said things, the president said things like, it's about ending an era of major military missions to remake other countries, end quote. The real choice was leaving or escalating. Okay, maybe that's not the real choice. But I was not going to extend this forever war, and I was not extending a forever exit. Um, We can quibble here. uh, Also, with clear, achievable goals, not ones we'll never reach um, is what is how we should uh, deploy the military, and we should only do so when the fundamental national security interests of the United States are at play. I agree with basically all of that, and mm-hmm. I'm 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 pretty happy, and not mm-hmm. basically all, it's most of all of it, the thrust of it, and I am I have a sense of exhausted relief that we're finally seeing this, and I'm also uh, not a little bit curious that a lot of the people who wanted to uh, champion Donald Trump as some kind of, you know, anti-deep state uh, intervention skeptic, you know, uh, 
uh, are not rallying to Joe Biden's cause in this thing. I mean, Ann Coulter actually has been yeah. has been making the, the repeated provocative claim and pissing off a lot of different people by saying Biden actually did what Trump always said he was going to, but didn't have the cojones to do it. Uh, I wouldn't say it in that in those terms, but I will just say I'm relieved to see a president of the United States say we're not going to keep doing this. He absolutely botched the withdrawal really badly. He lied to people really badly. He doesn't seem to have his marbles all in the same jar. This is a problem. There's a lot of problems associated with it, but I am relieved that a commander in chief said those words that needed to be said a long time ago. I mean, remember Ann Coulter too. It's, it's amazing that, um, you know, I saw that she was trending on Twitter and I was like, okay, is it going to be people surprised that they're agreeing with her or that she said something horrible? Um, and, you know, because we're in this business, I know Ann Coulter, I've known her over the years and I've, I've she's a, an, an interesting person to hang out with. Um, but of course people forget that she got fired from national review. Uh, she wrote a call for national <laughs> review in October of 2001, uh, for saying that we should invade their countries and convert them to Christianity. Um, yes. this is actually, I found, uh, the column. It's very hard to find the column, by the way, because, uh, there's all references to it because people are so outraged by, uh, by it. But I think this is an interesting thing. This is a person that says we never should have been there. We, it, it took, you know, Trump talked about it, but it took balls and Joe Biden had the balls to get us out. This is what she wrote at the time. This is no time to be precious about locating the exact individuals directly involved in this particular terrorist attack, 9-11. Those responsible include anyone anywhere in the world who smiled in response to the annihilation of patriots like Barbara Olson, Ted Olson's wife, who was uh, killed in 9-11. We don't need long investigations of the forensic evidence to determine which scientific accuracy the, per the person or persons who ordered the specific attack. We don't need an international co coalition. We don't need a study on terrorism. We certainly don't need a congressional resolution condemning the attack this week. She goes on then to say, we need to just bomb and invade and murder everybody involved. Now, the screen goes black and wow. then in a nice little serif font that says 20 years later, <laughs> literally <laughs> almost 20 years to the day. It's a couple of weeks off. Um, and now she's, she's saying that um, it, what a mistake this whole thing was. And it's really, really interesting because we talk about this a lot. Wait, I'm sorry. Can I interject? Yeah. Was she, is she, is she volunteering her own history no. and saying that? No, no, no. I'm volunteering oh, okay. her history. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I was no. going to say, like, wow. I had to find Strange this in a, respect for Ann Coulter. No, okay, I had to find mind. this in a book, uh, and maybe she did, but not that I saw, uh, in right. her book, How, to, yeah, how to Talk to a Liberal If You Must, which I found on Google yeah. Books. But yeah, no, it, it is, we've talked about it in this show. Um, I've talked about it recently with Andrew Sullivan of just how that mindset after 9-11 was for so many people and why so many people supported uh, the war in Afghanistan in Congress, uh, with the exception of Barbara Lee, and, you know, in America. I mean, you could probably be very difficult to find somebody in, you know, uh, sort of rural America, even in the cities, uh, who would have opposed the, the bombing of Tora Bora and ultimately the, the invasion and occupation of Afghanistan. Yeah, it's interesting. We're talking about this a day after U.S. military operations have, have finally completely ended in Afghanistan, sort of. Um, mm -hmm. And also uh, about a week removed from a, a deadly attack that took place at the airport where 13 American service persons were killed and many others injured. I don't know what the casualty count is now. If that has increased, I would hope not. But in either case, there was also a strike shortly thereafter. And one can suspect that this is not the end of formal 
military engagements in Afghanistan or in the surrounding region. The most mm-hmm. recent drone strike, the Pentagon is assuring us that they did kill some high profile person who was a member of ISIS-K. And that there may have been some bomb making materials in the vehicle. Um, there are also reports that suggest that there might have been some civilians killed um, in that attack as well. But the Pentagon is being uh, pretty tight lipped about who exactly they killed in this attack. And the thought that I had was, what authorization are we using to carry out these ongoing attacks? And of course, as most of you well-informed listeners know, it this is the same AUMFs that we've been using all along here <laughs> from like 2001, 2002 for Afghanistan and Iraq that allow for all of these ongoing perpetual interventions. There was a moment there back in June, I believe, where the House seemed to pass a resolution that would have gotten rid of the original 2002, 2002 Iraq then, yeah. AUMF, but not the Afghanistan AUMF. But that was progress from where the Trump administration was, if I'm not mistaken. I believe the Trump administration wasn't even interested in doing that. But in either case, I may be wrong about that. I'm, I'm saying that from memory. But in either case, these AUMFs are still there. And I suspect subsequent to the attack of last week, it is very unlikely that either the Iraq or Afghanistan AUMF will actually be repealed, which means that our entanglements in the region are likely to continue for the foreseeable future. And I'm not sure if the fact that there has recently been an attack and the Biden administration finds itself with a significant amount of egg on its face is more or less likely to do something if the opportunity presents itself in that region of the world, if it can look like they're smashing bad guys and being very serious. Um, But it does seem like this is a conversation that we probably ought to be having, whether or not these AUMFs ought to be wrapped up. The uh, 2002 AUMF, uh, it looks like, will probably be repealed. Both the Senate and the House have indicated uh, their willingness to do that. And the Biden administration has signaled uh, uh, his willingness to sign sign that. But the big Megilla is the 2001. That's uh, the one in which so many of the whatever is happening, Yemen and Somalia and and whatnot, is based on that. Um, There's a piece that I would commend to listeners, including listeners who hate his guts. Uh, Eli Lake wrote for, (laughs) our previous guest, uh, wrote for Reason about eight, nine years ago when I was the editor-in-chief. Um, talking about the uh, the nine fourteen uh, resolution, I think was the headline we put on it uh, back then. But it's basically all of the sweeping powers that were put into place on September fourteenth of two thousand and one. Um, obviously enabled Afghanistan, but it enabled so many other things. And he was arguing way back then, as war hockey neocon that he might <laughs> otherwise. B, uh, that that thing should be repealed or at least revisited. And that is true. And there are some people, including the aforementioned uh, Peter Meyer, who's introduced stuff to repeal those things. Uh, But that should be like first order business in all of this. Like right now, like we're out. Great. Get rid of this now and get rid of it, not just because of the statutory authority to do all kinds of stuff that we don't necessarily need to or should be doing in the absence of congressional authority, but do it because there should be a role for Congress in this world. There Mm -hmm. hasn't been functionally for the most part in the last 50 years. Um, but if there's ever going to be a restoration into some kind of healthy system of governance in this country, and we're so far away from it right now, it's it's laughable and painful. Um, 
it begins there. Like at, at nothing else, just repeal those things. And then let's talk about actually authorizing engagements afterwards. I don't think it's going to happen. The authorizing part, certainly, but the AUMFs are within grasp. So for those of you who are involved in politics, I'm very sorry for all of you individually. I'm sorry for all three of us. Um, that's a thing to uh, that you might uh, that you might focus on uh, going forward because we it having just like the presidential governance of America is a, is has not worked out well. I have to say that um, flipping through the Ann Coulter books pretty amazing. <laughs> <laughs> There's a. I'll just say. What's on the cover of this one? Is it like it's always black her. cocktail dress? It's always yes. Yeah. It's always yeah. Her. Yeah. Does the color um, of the dress actually change? No. Praying mantis style. <laughs> they change it in Photoshop, and the picture is the same actually from 1996. Eating, eating yeah. a, a partner. <laughs> That's what's happening on the cover of the book. This is the. This is one where she's holding a Taliban head, uh, decapitated <laughs> in her hand, blood all over her dress. She's like the cat, the Kathy Griffith, Griffin or Griffith? Which one? I don't, she I Griffin? Never can tell. I don't know. She's unfunny either way. But uh, there's a great sentence that just begins after Bush won the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. Oh, <laughs> it's whoops. like, oh, yeah, this is 2002. Like, talk about premature. But uh, yeah, people change their minds. Uh, I think, as I think most of us have done too. So, anyway, uh, Afghanistan's depressing. Can we, can we not talk about it anymore? So I don't, yeah, I'm not, I'm yeah, not so no, upset. Yeah. I, get, I get upset with it. It's too upsetting. Or Joe Rogan, like hours ago, test positive for COVID, and you people want to talk about like the AUMFs. I know. I, I mean, it, it, only <laughs> only because it matters and might actually have some consequence. Only that's the Whatever. only reason. Ever that's the only reason. I I should say that a lot of people aren't merely talking about abandoning the AUMF altogether. They're talking about redefining it, narrowing the scope, as I think you alluded to as well, Matt. Um, which is a very different thing, and seems entirely reasonable. That certainly seems like something that responsible legislators would do. But I Camille, have you noticed something over the past 20 years? What is that it? This is what feeds the American government uh, in their lack of desire to revisit these things. They can really do whatever they want and nobody gives a fuck. This is true. Nobody takes to the streets. Nobody complains. Nobody writes their congressman. They just they don't know that this that such authorization is legally required, despite the fact that we often skirt around it and do that enough from Vietnam on. And you tend to not even know it exists or mm. needs to exist. And so, you know, you just throw a drone into the air and, you know, which, by the way, was something like giant Ginsu knife or something. There's no explosives in it. It just cut people to into little bits, which I thought was interesting. I didn't know we had that technology. That, that, that was the, the drone that we just yes, used? Yes. One of really? them was a... It's a flying fucking guillotine? It's a, it's, a, it's a flying Ginsu. That's what they call it. Yeah. And there's no explosive payload on it. It just it cuts things into pieces. So I assume huh. when it hits the car, it'll probably blow up. But um, it also, you know, cutting... The thing that's cutting a gas tank, I imagine it's going to have some effect. But uh, but yeah, that's that's what we're sending that's through a, here. I, that's might, I might get grumpy. You might get grumpy? Yeah. You know, be on the ground of that like if yeah they send, send it out to east egg when when i'm out there like yeah like smearing feces on your walls uh this i'll be is, a little bit upset i think that this is the thing that unites us as um taliban sympathetic <laughs> afghans <laughs> and americans both of us when we're standing next to that literally look and say what the 
fuck was that? <laughs> that seems. <laughs> oh my that god! Seems like was, a that, bit that was a was that a huge knife that just flew from the sky? <laughs> Do they have authorization to throw big knives? At us? <laughs> that's what that's what they're saying. The civilians of Afghanistan are saying. Oh, and by the way, there god. is there is some reporting that that it um, on a much more somber note that it uh, hit somebody who actually was a translator, a U.S. Uh, worked as a translator for the for the Jeez. U.S. Um, maybe our, our our alliance with the Taliban's a little too close. Um, and that was that was uh, at their behest or something. But the thing the thing is, we don't. I've seen conservatives doing this, of saying like we killed a family. Joe Biden killed a family. Honestly, you're not. You don't trust Hamas. You don't. You don't trust Islamic Jihad. You don't trust the Assad regime when they tell you, oh no, I actually killed a bunch of people. So it's really, really a bit premature to say that our first retaliatory strike here. I, I presume there'll be more. Um, kill the family. Possible. Uh, I don't know if that's true, but we don't. We don't really know. I just want to take issue with you only name checking persons of color that time, Mr. Moynihan. Which that's one? Unacceptable. Yeah, exactly. In, in enlisting the people that we trust. Yeah, that we well, should. The last, trust. the last drone strike on the Proud Boys went a bit. <laughs> it actually hit Antifa instead, and then I was that's like, unacceptable. Same that's unacceptable. That's unacceptable because <laughs> all the same Antifa is not even a real thing. It's an idea. <laughs> It's just an idea. And Come we on, all man. know it's that. A, <laughs> never it's done an anything. You can't, you can't, it's an idea. You can't drone strike an idea. Come on. <laughs> Come on. That's ridiculous. Well, Matt, as you mentioned a moment ago, it, um, Mr. Joe Rogan, the president of Podcastistan, maybe. Podcastistan. He's got the COVID. He was hit with a COVID It does drone. appear he is, he is improving, <laughs> which I know will be a grave disappointment for many people. Jesus, yeah. Gauging from the comments that I saw online, um, I, I wonder, gentlemen, if you have any perspectives on this. I am told by the New York Times headline that I read a moment ago that Mr. Rogan has been a miserable, horrible monster who is quote dismissive of covid vaccines unquote it's a, it's a very specific word isn't yeah, it yeah it is it is strangely specific well you know i was i was hoping that i would go my entire life uh, without publicly saying the word ivermectin um <laughs> because what a fucking waste of time that conversation is. Sounds like a hockey player. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or or a member of the the FSB ivermectin. Uh-huh. Um uh-huh. But, but you know it, it's that's the other thing about it because yes. apparently he said I'm and by the way if you've ever listened to Joe Rogan he you walk by him and he's like what vitamins do you take I mean there's all sorts of things he believes about what you should be putting into your body that probably don't jibe exactly with what your doctor would tell you so it should be terribly surprising um, that uh, he says those things but of course headlines and these things and there's something mm-hmm. I mean, it's because of Joe Rogan's politics not even his politics because his politics are not typically what people say they are. If you listen to the show, they're definitely not. Um, it's more that he has guests on that people don't like and they, mm-hmm. should, they shouldn't be allowed. Like Abigail Schreier, who wrote this trans book and everyone got mad that she was on there and people from Spotify like burn the building down and like stab, <laughs> stab people in the dining hall or something. I think um, there was actually just a lot of crying. It was crying. Yeah, that's crying. Yeah. That's, you know, this, yeah. the, you know there's, the that's normal yeah. to be yeah. at a streaming service, to be weeping all day. But right. um, but uh, it, it, that's the reason that these headlines become the way they do. Because, you know, as I pointed out to you guys, you know, Rogan said something, which is for most people who aren't doctors and who just kind of, you know, and this is a guy who works things out on the air. And he's always pointing this out, by the way. Right. But it's never going to protect you. If you, you. if you have that big of an audience, it's not going to protect you. Because there's also this idea amongst people 
in the elite media, and I never use that phrase, but I'm going to use it here because I think it's appropriate, that the rest of the world is an idiot, uh, that are full of just idiots and stupid people, and, and then there's them who would never do something right. that a podcast host right, said right, they right. would do research, but they presume everybody else hears something, a little breath, and you know everyone stops taking the vaccine or something, which I don't believe is true. Joe Rogan actually said he was waiting to get the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. And he was on a, you know, he was in line or had an appointment or something. And then they, they pulled it, I guess, for the blood clots or something. But um, I don't know if he has been vaccinated, but the, 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 because we're, we're supposed to be scared of these breakthroughs. So it could have been a breakthrough case. But the thing that's really kind of bugs me about it was that what he was saying is the anti-vax comment, as you pointed out, Camille, ended with him saying, but you should all get vaccinated. Mm -hmm. If you're not like 20 years old. So what he's saying, and now I get, I'm, I don't agree with him on this, by the way, but I get why he said it. And he basically said, if you're 21 years old and you're healthy, would I tell you to I get the vaccine? I'd say no. Because of what we know about the survival rates of somebody who's 21 years old and healthy. And, and I this think was that earlier was, in the year as well. So one, one could at, at a minimum say that there's perhaps more uncertainty at that point in time. Yeah. Again, Joe Rogan is not a doctor. I don't, yeah. I don't turn to him it, for medical advice. He's also wrong on that too because, I mean, what, what, what we were hoping, and again, this actually kind of turned out not, be, not to be true because of Delta, mm -hmm. is that you know the spread is the issue and not necessarily right. that you're going to die. So I understand right. the pushback and Joe Rogan apologized for that and said, I'm an idiot. He literally said that in the air. He's like, don't listen to me. I'm a fucking idiot. This is like, I do the, next, this is like the next day. The next day. I mean, yeah, kind of yeah. interesting that he did that. Literally everybody else in my Twitter time timeline, which is just full of fucking losers. Yeah. I mean, all of these people just sitting around, like waiting to pounce on somebody making a mistake or saying the wrong thing. And it's like, guys, everybody here talking about Afghanistan has been wrong about Afghanistan, for instance. Just one thing. You've also all been wrong about COVID. And you should have mm -hmm. been wrong. I mean, I wouldn't be so because we didn't, nobody knew anything. Right. And so as we're learning this stuff, it's not as if, you know, Joe Rogan is now saying that smoking doesn't cause cancer. I mean, we have kind of, you know, a half a century of, of research on this. This stuff is new. I don't think he's anti-vax primarily because he said you should get vaccinated. But also, <laughs> like, so what? I mean, people can have... Wrong idea. But the definition of these things is very elastic. Anti-vax essentially means if you're not for mandates everywhere and vaccine passports, you are perhaps anti-vax. Because yeah, he questioned the, the the necessity of those too. Yeah. Also, the Iver ivermectin. The, it is not at all clear from the reporting that the New York Times did that he wasn't given this he was. by a medical professional <laughs> during the normal course of his treatment. I don't know that he asked for it. Maybe he did, but in either case, I've I've seen some of these studies, and it's not entirely clear that ivermectin doesn't have any beneficial effects whatsoever in certain sort of therapeutic settings. I think it's just unclear. It definitely makes sense for the Food and Drug Administration to mm -hmm. be giving guidance to regular people who are going out and buying like mm -hmm. shit that you put in your fish tank and just Remember kind of that? taking it apropos of nothing in the hopes that they will be able to cure themselves. I could understand why you would give advice like that, but I don't know that Joe Rogan is doing anything terribly harmful here by acknowledging that this was part of his course of treatment, a vitamin drip and ivermectin. But of course, that gets a flag in the time story as well. 
to be clear, he's like, yeah, I'm doing everything. And he lists like the five other things that he is doing. Right. Ivermectin is one of them. That's the one that people can make fun of the rubes for taking, for eating, eating horse paste. <laughs> yes. He's not elevating it above everything else. It's just very clear as a absolute degenerate, like vitamin. Yeah pill-popping steroids monster that he's going to take absolutely everything in it, and that's it, right? Um, I want to point out, in addition, the actual tweet language of the New York Times, which is a newspaper. Breaking, um, breaking news. <laughs> Guy with a podcast. Joe Rogan, <laughs> comma, the, podca- <clears throat> the podcasting giant who has been dismissive of COVID vaccines, comma, Tested positive for the coronavirus after returning from a series of shows in Florida. Um, what I want you to to focus in, in is on the who has been dismissive you know, of COVID incredible. vaccines. Yes. You know what? He has a I don't I don't listen like Joe Rogan. I don't listen to podcasts unless unless one of the two other guys uh, on this podcast are on them. But uh, the podcasting giant who has been dismissive of COVID, Joe Rogan does a really super long podcast every day. You could say Joe Rogan, who has <laughs> talked about the need to invade Moldova mm-hmm. repeatedly with a penis, with a penis with for sports, because he probably has <laughs> at some point invade it with a penis. <laughs> with a penis. <laughs> And with a vagina. Like, he's got a lot of hours to fill. You could also say equally God, as well. accurately uh-huh. the podcasting giant who has recommended yeah. to people to take the yes, COVID vaccine. Yeah. Because he has, asshole. Because he absolutely has. That is one of the things that he has done by talking all of the time. There's other ways to characterize this if you are a news organization that's interested in the news. I look at the very top of, I just clicked on the Twitter trending thing. Oh, God, now I just screwed up and I can't see it. That's a shame. Um, (laughs) It is. Moldova is a very important country, as you well know. Uh, uh, podcast host Joe Rogan announces he's tested positive for COVID-19 and says he has taken ivermectin despite CDC warnings but by the, the way, drugs but not so insane. That, that like he, he said five things that was one of the things no, and we're going to make that the thing approved. It's, it's not as if there are some countries that have actually governments that have recommended some that have recommended <laughs> and actually rescinded it and there have been studies that have shown that it's effective and then the people have been questioned those studies that's fine that's how science works right and keeping in mind that when you make fun of the horse paste stuff is because people take stuff that's you know like the fish tank thing that is not you know made for humans because it's a completely different strength it's, it's crazy to do right crazy people do crazy shit all the time not surprising right so they hear ivermectin and they go out to their mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. local mm-hmm. do they have a horse shop is that a thing that the horse pharmacy that they go to get their ivermectin <laughs> but it, it, i saw him, i don't know if this is true but i saw that joe joe rogan had, had said something to the effect of it or somebody had reported that he'd gotten it, you know, the, the human stuff, because people do take this, by the way. The humans do take it for um, various things. Um, not for, for COVID, right? My issue with that, by the way, with ivermectin is that I don't understand why, the pe- why people do this, because the vaccine is pretty effective. Now, once you get it, and as it's, you know, did you need to be treating it? Well, if you have a pretty severe case of COVID, you should be seeing a doctor and going to a hospital or something. You should be self-medicating. But as far as like, I think the ivermectin thing, I'm not gonna take the vaccine, but take ivermectin. Why? I mean, the vaccine is incredibly useful. We have tons of data on it that shows that it's useful and shows that it works. Um, breakthrough cases don't make a difference. 
by the way, because what we also find out is that the people who get the stuff in breakthrough cases and go, or the, they saw all survive, everybody survived, but the people who are getting it now are not vaccinated. So yeah, you might be able to pass it on. We didn't know that this was going to happen with these variants, but yeah, you can. So the answer, by the way, is vaccines. It's not ivermectin. But that said, how many of these people in at the New York Times who are crowing about this are worried about the effects of ivermectin on someone taking it, right? Because that's not been, that's not, people aren't saying that. It's going to kill them. No, because nobody's died. The people who drank right. the fish tank stuff, of course, died. No one's died. It might wash through you. It's like taking too much vitamin C. I don't know. But if that is the case, you're, of course, mad that he has this tribune and he's not saying what you want him to say. I'm sorry, you can't control people um, and make them sort of, you know, puppet every one of your beliefs. But all of these people are the same people that I'm behind in the, you know, line at the coffee shop or something. And they're getting, you know, collagen in their smoothies. And they're getting like B pollen. It's like, this shit doesn't fucking work either, guys. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Oh, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I'm sorry, I, I can't finish my story on how Joe Rogan's a fucking idiot because of ivermectin. I got to go to my hot yoga class. What is it? The hot doesn't do anything. What are you doing? <laughs> Stop it. Good God. You're all like the fucking Maharishi. Well, and then all of a sudden you're a doctor. <laughs> Choose a lane. You don't believe in anything scientific <laughs> when it comes to going to that one aisle in Whole Foods where everything has like flowers on it and looks like the cover of like an Edie Burkell record. But it has like, there's like a dropper and it's like, oh, it's like, there's a whole <laughs> section there of homeopathic stuff. Do you know what homeopathic <laughs> stuff is? Nothing. It is literally nothing. It is water. And they admit it. It has the essence of something in it. And that's supposed to infuse. It's absolute crackpot stuff. And, and the, the, it was a while ago that the, the NHS actually was doing uh, homeopathic treatments in NHS hospitals. Fake stuff because there was a demand for fakery. I'm sorry. This stuff exists. Joe Rogan will be fine. He says he feels better. But I know you're all rooting for him to die or get very sick so you can say, uh-huh, like we've been doing with all these <laughs> conservative uh, radio hosts who are actually dying because they said they won't take the, the devil's spawn vaccine. And you know what? They, you know, it's kind of hard not to mock them because they did something stupid and they're paying the consequences. That's enough of a lesson. We don't need to say like, oh, Joe Rogan's, you know, taking 85,000 vitamins and he thinks he's going to be fine. Okay. I, I just don't understand it. Like, he's also, he's a podcast host. Who, who fucking cares? <laughs> we had a, a, a an email that we didn't talk about on our Patreon from someone who is responding to, there was a uh, White House-sponsored <laughs> TikToker prancing through the White House with long oh, fingernails. I, I think that's, a, that's an offensive verb, Matt. It is. Uh, <laughs> and the video was also offensive, yeah. Watch it. Seriously, watch it and yeah. give me another verb. Yeah. I'm happy to say whatever your preferred <laughs> verb for this mincing, yeah. Yeah. prancing. He is, I mean, he's, uh, he's literally prancing. I think yeah. he would describe it in that way as well. Long fingernailed uh, yeah. so-and-so. Who's the white very performative. And the, the question from the emailer was basically like, is this helping? Um, it's helping the Taliban. So it let, <laughs> led to the conversation of helping the Taliban and or Sorab Amari uh, make their points. Um, but then it like spurred a question. Okay, you're the White House. You have $100 or $100,000 or $100 trillion. And you got to figure out a way to convince people who are skeptical or who are just lazy or whatever, or have some reason why they're not taking the vaccine. What do you do? What do you spend it on? And my answer, and this is pre Joe Rogan ivermectin scandal was send the best person 
in the White House orbit, who is not Anthony Fauci, who can explain in detail the answers to skeptics' questions and put them on the Joe Rogan show for three hours. Mm -hmm. Smoke a huge blunt. That's right. If that's what it takes. The dude's got a huge audience. The people who are attracted to it have kind of a skeptical orientation towards what they're receiving from media. He's a very interesting interviewer and he's got this audience. Do it there. That's where you do it. Don't yeah. get like a mincing 17-year-old with fake fingernails. I don't know who is the audience that's persuaded by that <laughs> as opposed to the audience who's dissuaded by that. Would you have been, would you accept it if the fingernails were real? Be real. <laughs> well, the thing is, is that I saw, I think maybe it was the New York Times thing. It was like, he's hosted and, you know, there's some shithead who said something stupid about, about COVID. And, you know, I remember when this started happening, right when it's kind of happening and we're like, oh my God, we're in something real is that he had on uh, Dr. Um, was it Michael Osterholm, uh, who's been, you know, I would say probably on the more alarmist end, I think according to people who, who you know, they don't like him, the, the people on the kind of ivermectin universe. But, you know, he was sounding the alarm early. I mean, it's, it's, it's weird because, I mean, I remember him sounding the alarm. I don't know if he, if he stuck to that, but, oh, the, the, the thing was he had that guy on from the New York Times, who's that crackpot. I used to be at the New York Times who wrote the book that like we're all smoking weed and killing ourselves. Alex Berenson. Alex yeah. Berenson. Yeah, he's a fool. Um, but uh, he had him on. Um, and I don't know if he challenged. I, don't, I didn't listen to it. I don't know. I don't have time in the day to do things like that. But he had, he had him on. But, you know, it, 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 you know, the early part of this, people tend to forget also that one of the people that was really sounding alarm in this was Tucker Carlson. <laughs> He was like, this shit's serious when he was, he said, you know, I think he mm -hmm. criticized Trump at the beginning for not he being, did. not yeah. taking in it seriously. In February enough. 2020. Yeah. Yeah. March, so, yeah. I mean, a lot of people had a lot of weird twisting views. I mean, I read you and I mean, the way he put it though, was like, don't trust the Chinese. You can't trust those people. I think that's what he said. That's what he said. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what so, he said, yeah. Yeah. Where he was he was uh live streaming a hate crime that he was committing yeah. in uh, yeah. Chinatown. He also used yeah. that accent that's so offensive, which oh my was God. just really bad. Does it so well though? Yeah. <laughs> and he's doing that weird thing with his eyes, also no, unacceptable. Not, uh, Matt, just by the way, frown I'm not gonna give Camille. Matt, you should stop doing that too things. on the on the camera. Stop it. <laughs> stop it. <laughs> Go ahead there. Point hand. That's one strike. This is yeah, this Yellow is not card. A this is not a David Bowie video. Yeah, that's a yeah. It's a deep cut. You can see. Yeah, it I don't video. even know what that is. Oh yeah, I don't know who that China person girl is. video. There's. Uh, I can't believe this didn't come up when he died, where his uh, hands go up to his eyes at one point and pull aggressively on the corners of them. Oh. Um, probably because in of addition to the serial fucking on the beach. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the whole thing is a bit, uh, it's a bit much. Um, anyway. It also has the line "visions of swastikas in my head" that is is a, a lyric in China Girl. But um, anyway, and oh baby, just you shut your mouth. <laughs> it's fascist. It's anti Asian. It's sexist. <laughs> Why did we not cancel David Bowie? When there we is had a chance? there is there are too many avenues. Yeah. So people are just like ah okay yeah that's too, that's too much work. <laughs> what else is happening, Camille? Well, we were talking about COVID a little bit, so it may be worth just flagging some good news. It does appear the numbers are improving, that hospital admissions from COVID have decreased for the first time since June, which I suppose is a thing that we should probably applaud unless we're monsters. Um, and hopefully that's a trend that will continue. Uh, don't believe the hype on that. Sorry. Don't believe the don't believe the hype. Yeah, I mean the COVID is not based on political. Yes, it's going down because the the wave is crested in the south a little bit, mm -hmm. um, but it's just beginning now in the northeast and other places. And uh, it's just it's always been regional and seasonal. Mm -hmm. It's going to be so. It's not like 
oh, it went up. Now it's going down again. Each place has its up and down cycle. And a lot of the places that are going to have their up cycles, uh, unless history doesn't repeat itself, which is possible too, um, are going to be like places that are more populated than Tennessee and Missouri. You know, we Sorry. never hear about Sweden anymore, do we? Remember all this? What happened to Sweden, by the way? Like, I think it's gone. I think it was it was <laughs> no, for an extended period. They they had zero deaths per day yeah. in Sweden. Their their numbers are still somewhat bad per capita relative to other Nordic countries. Um, not not mm-hmm. by a whole lot, but still relatively worse. But I also think there are some material differences between them and the rest of the region in terms of the number of elderly folks who were. Um, institutionalized, or at least the percentage. Um, the other thing that people don't talk about, and I wonder, um, you know, Denmark kind of complicates this narrative, and maybe this isn't something to a right to go down, but I did read somebody um, in a Swedish newspaper, or maybe it wasn't a newspaper because they don't talk about this stuff. It must have been some blog or something talking about um, uh, the number of immigrants in Sweden. And uh, what happens there, of course, is people... Uh, living, uh, large families living in uh, small Hmm. apartments that, you know, these apartments in Sweden, everybody knows them that were created, they were built in the 60s, uh, 50s, 60s, 70s, these funkiest apartments, but uh, they're small and, you know, you have an entire family in there that probably helped with the the spread of it um, too. So there's a lot of stuff that we can come to find out later. But this is just, it's, it's important to go back and look at this stuff too about how, I mean, I vacillated on Sweden and I was pretty, because I was reading the Swedish press, I lived there, I care about the country a lot, um, and, you know, I was like, they're doing a great job, they're doing a terrible job, and I, if you go back, I, I was like never on, never could really get a grasp of it, and I probably should have just shut up and, and, and waited to see what happened, but I think that's what advisable in all of this stuff with COVID. Is that everybody's not, you know, it's, you can, you're allowed to make pronouncements. We have to make decisions, right? I mean, it's, it's mm-hmm. ravaging the world. We have to make some decisions and those have to be based on some, you know, data or educated guesses or something like that. But how sure people are about this stuff is really dispiriting because, you know, anybody that says, well, I don't know about this. I mean, if you say the school thing, and I know Matt's been going on about this uh, for a while, but I said this to somebody the other day an older woman and you know i said something about you know school and they said hospital beds it doesn't matter they'll pass it to the kids they'll pass it to the teachers the teachers will get it they'll pass it to each other and then the hospitals will be be packed despite the fact this has not happened no. yet and won't happen no but there seems to be this kind of ideological divide i don't quite understand the ideological divide because you know on one side robert kennedy junior and is on the same side as like, you know, David Allen Coe or something. <laughs> but, uh, and then on the other side is like just people saying, you know, just wagging their finger at you saying you're not doing it the right way. But it's, it's a bizarre thing, isn't it? That t- to have a conversation about this has become, and has remained so poisonous, w- despite the fact that these things have changed. It has turned out that it is not killing children, despite the fact that every time there's there's a, an anecdotal version of that, it's on the front cover of some website or newspaper, and they really kind of, you know, it's it's crazy how much attention these things get when they're kind of isolated and anecdotal. Um, and the stuff about, you know, washing your hands, wiping down your groceries. We learn stuff, and the stuff that we've learned, none of it has been catastrophic. None of it has pointed to further, deeper, m- more violent deaths and catastrophe. So it's just strange that, that you know, the, the, the tenor of debate has remained 
so sharp and so harsh to anybody who kind of, you know, goes off the reservation a little bit. And I'll finish with this. There was a guy who wrote uh, from Yale who wrote a, a piece in the New York Times who said, um, is a very lefty guy too. He said, is the, is this um, prescription uh, worse than the disease? He was absolutely savaged for writing this piece. And I went to visit him. I went to, and I filmed with him for this piece for Showtime and sat down and he was a totally lovely, rational guy. And he was blown away by it. And then I listened to an interview the other day with a guy from Stanford uh, named Jay Bhattacharya. Uh, who was one of the guys who signed that uh, Great Barrington Declaration. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't, I, I, I'm on a totally different side from him. I just, uh, I, he doesn't make a convincing case to me. But at the end of this interview, and I think it was on that Unheard um, uh, Lockdown series podcast, very good, the guy, Freddie Sayers is the host. He's a very good interviewer, a very smart guy. And he asked what it was like at Stanford. Um, and it was a really depressing response he said that he wasn't allowed to do anything give any talks he's lost a lot of friends he said i also gained some friends but it's like guys what is happening yeah with this medical like you're not a murderer because yeah. you say maybe lockdowns aren't the smartest idea i don't know if they're the smartest idea i haven't invested a lot of time into researching them but if i did and i came to that conclusion i would not like to be classified uh, as the sort of john wayne gacy of this pandemic hey guys i don't mean to snip out my participation in this podcast prematurely oh no but uh i was flipping through twitter as someone was talking probably me uh, <laughs> and uh, i was noticing people freaking out about a flash flood situation in new york city and then i looked down at my feet oh no and my basement is flooding oh my uh, god so, <laughs> yeah um so i got a deal with that okay, uh, okay so you guys you guys keep talking just remember george bush doesn't care about black people <laughs> <laughs> be, be safe oh, man. He's not Shots at kanye you. go get he your copy of donda right now we'll just leave the camera donda. running and the microphone on matt we want to observe you screaming cleaning up the mess <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna like see me doing this yeah, so like don't make suit. We'll, we're gonna mute do you. not it's make fine. comments oh, i know we're gonna mute you we just want to watch yeah, okay see you see you guys later bye everyone all, all right. right love Wow, <laughs> that is flooding. This is what real life, fuck? people. That's this is real, real life. life, and this is what we deal with. This you is know it. What? It just happens during. This is the way it uh, way it happens this time. We hope that by the time this podcast posts, um, that Matt is still alive. I cannot guarantee that that's true. He might well, those, drown in about two and a half inches of water. Yeah, those might be like his last words. Yeah, it's just like exactly. he sort of trips and falls in the weird in a weird yeah. sort of way. He's yeah. trapped between the desk and the sofa. He just can't move. And you know, two three I, inches I, I of water. That's all you need. I hope he. I hope he can still. He's got the camera still running. I hope he can still hear me. But it's like Matt. I don't know if you can hear me. But if you're drowning, take ivermectin. It, it'll make you float. It's like a buoyancy. <laughs> just still float. Float up to heaven, probably. <laughs> probably gonna oh my float. God. <laughs> um, oh shit! Man. Is that? Do you see anything about this? I'm not looking on Twitter, but no. Uh, I mean, I don't care. Yeah, uh, listen, yeah. we got fire. <laughs> we have the other problem out here. So when they send the planeteers, like yeah. that, we'll just have them swap. It's fine. Everyone's basement is effed. Michael <laughs> Well, Matt literally cannot is. remember a time in my life where I've seen rain this hard. It, oh, is um, it raining really badly out there? That's apparently yeah. Flash it's amazing. Flood. We we've I've had never no seen one of these before. 
flash flood emergency, including New York, Brooklyn, Queens. And then uh, um, um, our friend Jeff Blair, who has a very good comment. I'm about to find out exactly how New York-centric the list of people I follow is with this rainfall coming in the next hour, aren't I? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Good luck, New York. Yeah. Good luck. What What else do we want to do today? Plenty of other stuff we could get into. I did mention briefly, so maybe I'll just I'll dip back into it. We don't even have to get into it because maybe we don't have very strong opinions about it. And it's also un- unclear what's going to happen. Texas is doing a number of things, two things that seem to put some folks on edge. They enacted some new legislation that will put some restrictions on abortion. Post six weeks in Texas mm-hmm. now, it is prohibited for a woman to have an abortion. Um, what is unique about this particular restriction is that the restriction doesn't just make this illegal and the state is going to come in and prosecute you. It puts the onus on private citizens to, to report sue abortion yeah. providers yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. anyone yeah. involved in aiding or abetting an abortion yeah. after a heartbeat is detected. Now, post six weeks is like 80% of the abortions in Texas. Yeah. But also, but, but nobody's pointing out in this, and maybe somebody has, but the first thing I thought, and I went and looked, and I tried to get a, get a number, uh-huh. and the average time in which women find out that they're pregnant is right. six weeks. So yeah. effectively, you're banning abortion, because most people don't know that they're pregnant. Yeah, you got to wait the four odd weeks, yeah. and then you're like, oh, well, maybe it'll happen. Maybe I'm just a little late. Then you yeah. find out. Like that is yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a bit hardcore. Now there was some expectation yeah, it's a, it's that this, this might have this might have um, before it went into effect actually been preemptively um, kiboshed by some sort of court uh, that has not happened. But I, I do suspect that we will probably see some sort of challenge to this, and it will not survive. Yeah. But the other thing that's happened is Texas, like Georgia, and a number of other Republican-controlled states, also passed a, a battery of new restrictions on elections there in Texas, most of which are meant to as some sort of response to the overall concern that was created um, in large part by the president of the United States, former president of the United States, um, who was, you know, clamoring about stopping the steal and and talking about election fraud. Um, And in response to that, a number of Republican states have passed a lot of different Mm -hmm. reforms. now, Moynihan, I don't know what your perspective on this is. I mean, it, it seems to me I've, I've tried yeah. to look at this a bunch of different ways, and it's hard to kind of parse out exactly what's going on in different states because it's all over the map. It really but is, yeah. it does seem yeah. to me that the concern is largely frivolous and that there doesn't appear yeah. to be a bunch of widespread fraud that took place in the last election. Or or, or, or in some places, any. I mean, we do, I mean right. anything beyond the natural kind of screw-ups. Right, there have been small, uh, completely irrelevant, trivial prosecutions. But, but beyond that, these people are responding to an imaginary concern, but are the things that they're doing likely to have profound consequences in terms of making it impossible for people to vote or generally disempowering Democrats relative to Republicans. And it seems to me that the jury is very much out on this. Mm. That hasn't, however, tamped down any of the concern on the part of Democratic lawmakers who have, as Joe Biden was earlier in the year, talking about, you know, this being Jim Eagle or Jim Crow 2.0 yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and Democrats who are actively pushing for some sort of new uh, John Lewis, I believe, inspired voting voting rights protections at the federal level. Yeah. I mean, we talked about the Jim Eagle. 
Uh-huh. James Eagle, as I call him. Um, <laughs> James Eagle Esquire. Dr. James P. Eagle. <laughs> so crazy. Um, and, you know, I was critical all the time of the response to some of these proposals. But this is kind of a two-way street. I mean, the, the response to the proposals is everyone freaks out and says, like, you can't have water. No one can drink water. They're going to die in line. And, you know, when you look at it, it's actually, you know, you can't campaign and give people free things. Some of those things are, you know. Right. You know. Um, Electioneering, yeah. Yeah, you know, like uh, Pete Buttigieg branded water or something. I mean, you can't do that. <laughs> but <laughs> but the other thing about it is on the on the other side of this is, on the Texas one in particular, I'm I'm of two minds about it. I mean, in, in one is that this should never have happened, and the reason it shouldn't have happened is because you can say these things are sensible proposals, but they are sensible proposals that would not have happened had Donald Trump won. No Republican would be taking the cudgels up for these these uh, voting reforms if Donald Trump had won by a significant margin. If there's a problem, there's a problem. It doesn't matter who wins or mm-hmm. who loses. This is directly a response to their constituents. And the thing is, is that so many of their constituents believe wrongly that Donald Trump won the election and it was stolen by Joe Biden and Dominion and Smartmatic and all this crazy lunacy, right? And it's crazy lunacy. It truly is. I mean, if you have any doubt about that, do about a, you know, 30-minute deep dive. And I was trying to keep up with Mike Lindell when he was talking to me about it. And I was like, this guy's unhinged. I mean, this stuff is completely crazy. And, you know, no serious person was was giving that any credence or any coverage. But, uh, and I was there, so I'm, I'm admitting that I'm not a serious person. But the thing about it is, is that, you know, on, when re- Republicans go after this stuff, it's a sop to their voters. And it further undermines the, the, the integrity of the election. And they're, they're doing this based on a bullshit complaint and a false premise. So that bothers me. Now, is the stuff that they are doing, you know, really restricting people? On the other side of this, the lies on the other side of this, is that, you know, people can't vote anymore. You know, the, the minority vote increases every year, but somehow everybody's being massively <laughs> disenfranchised. And, you know, there, there's, you know, pits of snakes and vipers and dogs preventing people from going into <laughs> to, some of this stuff it w- is a response to COVID, right? So there was, there was changes in how people voted in Texas, for instance, uh, in response to the difficulties of getting to the polls uh, during a pandemic, which is totally understandable. And it's also totally understandable that you don't want to ever, you know, do 24-hour you know, drive-through voting, which is, you know, some of these weird things that happened during, during COVID. If you want to shut that stuff down, you can shut it down in a way that when it comes up next time around or actually have a debate about it, do not couch it into this idea that our elections are under threat, they're being stolen, they're being compromised, because it is shocking. I, so in Texas, I did a piece there which mysteriously, for some reason, you know, had a million plus views on YouTube. Is now I can't find it online. Um, baffling, but um, I I, t- I talked to so many people. It was it was a piece about Texas Republicans. One person, who was the head of the the Young Republicans at uh, UT Austin, said mm-hmm. he believed that uh, Joe Biden won fairly. One person. <laughs> I mean, in these, some of them were like, you know, Republican groups. They were kind of self-selected as kind of hardcore people, but not all. I mean, there's a lot of people that are mm-hmm. like, yeah, this was weird. I was in Cape Cod and I overheard a conversation of a guy saying like, oh yeah, it was totally, the other guy was like, yeah, it's totally stolen. I, I don't know where they get this idea from. I mean, I do, but I think that all of this stuff 
contributes to that poisonous atmosphere of, of, look, I don't think it's an existential crisis for democracy, as a lot of people do, because, you know, every election there's somebody claiming that it's fake or fixed. You know, the uh-huh. 2004 election, the Rolling Stone did a whole piece on George Bush stealing Ohio, total nonsense. Um, I think Christopher Hitchens, actually, my old pal, did this something similar for Vanity Fair. Um, there's some something fishy about that. The 2000 election was was everyone thought was stolen in every different direction. Yeah, Stacey Abrams. Yeah. I mean, there's just it never ends. So the other thing that I object to is that some sort of surprise. No, don't be surprised. Just be disappointed that Donald Trump has been so successful at spreading this bullshit narrative. Yeah, and and what about the abortion stuff? I suspect your <laughs> your feelings are probably like mine. I mean, this is this is. Not a good thing. Not a good, not a good thing. Expect the courts to get involved, and at some point we'll find out what the next steps are. And also, like I never wait into this debate, but I will say this about on on a woman's right to choose. Uh, Yeah, tell us. It was actually funny. I was listening to NPR, (laughs) and the language was Uh hilarious. There was just like a news report, and they're like a reproductive Uh freedom, and I'm like, wait. You have the freedom to reproduce. I mean, what are you, what are you talking about? Oh, <laughs> pro-abortion, anti-abortion. I got it. It's yes, always really yes, funny. Yes. And it's like, no, Those I think are the euphemisms. I think it's bad. Yeah. I think doing these kind of backhanded, backdoor, sneaky ways of getting around Roe rather than it going up to challenge. I, I don't, you know, comment on these things typically, but if you look at it, it's this I don't I can't imagine that this is gonna survive court challenges. But also everybody's gonna stop and take a breath. The stuff that I read today of like, you know women will die having abortions it's like or they can just drive across the border it can be very inconvenient it can be very very shitty and it shouldn't happen but you know this is what happened in ireland everybody that wanted abortion would go to england because uh, they were illegal in ireland or there would be ships that uh e-abortion ships and if you know about these that would be in international waters uh off of ireland um so there was always, you didn't have to re- resort to, you know, the coat hanger stuff. I, that, that, that grim imagery uh, doesn't, that's, that's not going to happen. So, I mean, even, yeah. if this, even if this survived a court challenge, um, it becomes massively in- inconvenient. It becomes incredibly unfair. I just don't think it's, it's the right thing in, in any possible way. Um, and the state has, has no business doing something like this. But uh, yeah, but yeah the, I mean, the, the, I think- the hyperventilating, everybody should maybe relax a little bit. I mean, the the one thing that this does remind me of, though, is the 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 eviction moratorium that the Biden administration attempted to enact, mm. um, and the degree to Knowing which both parties, <laughs> yeah, both parties routinely engage in these yeah. activities where, for pro- purely performative purposes, they enact some law that they know is unlikely to survive challenge in order to try and satiate their base and demonstrate their commitment to their cause or to their particular side. And the the fact that all of this does throw a dart at the legitimacy of the rule of law, I, I think is something that is worth paying some attention mm-hmm. to. I think when when the mayor of New York City talks about the Supreme Court of the United States striking down an unconstitutional law that the Biden administration itself acknowledged when they were enacting this or at least supporting this action, because this wasn't even a law. This was just something that they were doing through the administration, that this was unlikely to survive challenge, that they, that there was of dubious um, constitutional legitimacy, that they are somehow right-wing radicals that this is an affront to democracy and human decency and something must be done. All of this hysterical rhetoric, Mm -hmm. it seems to me, is dangerous, at least in the sense that 
it genuinely contributes to this erosion of trust in the institutions. And I do think that that has consequences. Um, and I, I think there's a, a broad universe of places where this is uh, applicable. Yeah. And the, and the rent thing is an interesting one because it's, you know, it's the way everybody's doing these things for, for larger purposes. They're not interested in one sort of minor issue. It's not that the squad is really concerned about people getting tossed out and not having a place to live. Um, they say that, but you know, the idea is that the landlords are bad. I mean, it's almost Leninist in that sense. It's like, you know, the landlords, that was always the term that was used. <laughs> landlords, landlords. And like, you know, those, cause they have this vision. It's not people who are barely hanging on in, uh, can live in New York city because they rent a room out because they rent, they rent the, the basement apartment out. And without that income, they have to leave. They're not thinking about that at all because, cause rent is, you know, those, those are the people that, uh, earn money by doing nothing, which is completely and utterly untrue. But, you know, mm -hmm. the, the larger ideas here are what are being put into play. And I think that it's, it's interesting the way the, the debate has changed, the language changes, because after the Supreme Court ruled rightly six to three, and look at the majority opinion is actually very, it's, it's perfect. It's, it's exactly what you'd want them to say. Um, the dissenting opinion is incoherent. Uh, it's absolutely mm -hmm. stunning that three people on the Supreme Court could actually write something like this. It is bizarre and baffling. But the language that is that has come to certain kind of precincts of the Democratic Party is like, well, what do we do now? What do you mean, what do you do now? First of all, there's $100 million in aid or billion, God knows, is even for a million, billion, trillion at this point, aid for people who who relief for people who are in trouble with rent um because you know who cares at this point i mean just you know printing it and printing it and handing it out but just conceptually why would the government even ask something like that you know the economy is getting back on track employers cannot find people to work right i mean this is something we hear i saw a story today that walmart was trying to hire 14 year olds because they are or, or amazon i can't it was walmart or something all of these companies are now paying, you know, the fight for 15 was the pandemic, by the way. $15 an hour is becoming really standard because they can't attract workers. And we have a contingent of the Democratic Party saying, what is the government's role in paying your rent or not paying your rent, actually? That's, they're not trying to pay your rent, which is what this, these um, subsidies would do. They're trying to allow you legally to not pay the person who is housing you and stay there in perpetuity which strikes me as rather un-American, but you know, I don't like using that phrase, but I think it's probably appropriate here. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't really like using that phrase either and generally do not use those phrases even when they're mm -hmm. attached to editorials that I kind of sign my name to. I don't necessarily <laughs> make that choice. I'm just saying. Oh, you're trying to, trying to quibble with little, saying. little things on that. I'm just saying time. it happens. It yeah. happens. I don't want anyone to flag me for hypocrisy. I mean, I, did, I don't do that. and It's not a yeah. thing that I do. You well, know you what get I'm three saying? with any sort of regularity, anyway. You're responsible hey, for you're every really, third one. It, every third exactly. Word. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's the allegiance and associations that you'll be judged for, exactly. Mr. Foster. Yeah. Um. What else went in? What else we got on the docket? What Anything else we that we're we, talking about today that we're ignoring and should be paying attention to? I mean, um, I feel like I did see this weird um, high school football game, oh, but I don't, I don't, I don't even know. Where is it in Ohio or no, the, something the, where they had a school? It was like a charter school or it's a not fake quite charter a charter school, school. But it's awesome. It's called like Bishop Hand Sandwich or something. What is it called? It's some absurd name. 
Bishop Sycamore. That's so Ohio's big. Bishop Bishop Sycamore um, High School, which <laughs> managed generator. to lie lie its way onto awesome. ESPN for a nationally televised contest between themselves and a powerhouse mm-hmm. um, institution that was just completely stacked with talent that is definitely going to D one schools and all kinds of other stuff versus a team of nobodies who, who got like in their twenties smashed. Right? It, it appears that we don't know how old these kids are and whether or not they were signed up for school, but some of them were almost certainly too old to be playing. They played like two games in the past four or five days, which is also un- unusual for high school football teams. I yeah. no one does this because it's not safe. Um, Matt, your mic um, is off, by the way. You're muted. Is oh, is Matt coming back? Yeah, he's there. Yeah, he's up, back. To his, up to his neck. Is he water. wearing waders? Yeah. Hold on, yeah. Let me, he's let me unmute wellies. him. Yeah. Just leave him like that. It's fine. But no, if you watch the, uh, while you do that, if you watch the clip, uh, mm-hmm. there's, it's hilarious because there's two announcers and I think it's like 56 to nothing or something. And he's like, I yeah. can't even believe it. Somebody out here is going to get hurt. I can't, the, who are these kids? And they're like Googling it and they're like, this is a real school. I'm like nobody checked before. It's absolutely amazing. All right, I Matt. love that they're that they're really upset about the integrity of national broadcasts of high school yeah, football yeah, games. Yeah. But that scandal here, which almost nobody except for the great Iowa Hawk Dave Burge points out for his own dark, dark reasons, is that IMG Academy, yeah. who are the good yeah. guys in the story. Yeah. Do you know who those people are, Moynihan? Uh, Does the name Nick Boletari ring a bell to you? The tennis guy? Yeah. So <laughs> Nick Boletari was his absolute was this absolutely insane yeah. tennis academy dude who set up an, a, a totally bogus high school in Florida so that he could trade. Was it Andre Agassi back in the day? I think or, so, yeah. or, or like, uh, 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 I forget who uh, the, uh, the, the, Teenage girl tennis star oh, flame yeah. out of the day. Uh, what it wasn't Amy Austin. No, it was, it was the, one the one after who, Amy who Austin. Loved, uh, t- uh, tennis and crack. She was the Mike Lindell <laughs> of uh, of tennis, and she had an Italian name, Gen- Jennifer Jennifer Caprieri Cap- yeah, or Cap- something. Capriati. Close to Capriati. Yeah, God. yeah, that's by the way. So, Italians just don't. Italian Americans don't play sorry. tennis. <laughs> sorry. Come on, it's like stop it. <laughs> The uh, fuck you doing? So Get the I am over here, you fucking mook. Go online and look at IMG Academy as a high school. Yeah. It is just like, it's a sports machine. Oh. What is the least amount of high school we could put on these sports? That is the whole <laughs> point of the IMG Academy. And so let's all go on ESPN. And then Bishop Sycamore is is actually... So they're both fake? IMG's accredited or whatever. It doesn't it does buy the book. And so therefore, I hate them even more because Bishop Sycamore is like the plucky upstart. They're like, okay, if IMG can have some like absolute clown boat of a human like Nick Boletari, and they're was allegations of abuse but yeah. a bunch of like it was a nasty like uh origin story of this place that still somehow exists um, shit i didn't know that yes oh. yeah that's and, incredible and so bishop sycamore's like okay well let's just like pretend we exist <laughs> like get, and get on tv somehow, i love it i love that it's like the kids who did the it's so great who, who made the school board meeting or the city council meeting read all the, the don key dick but do we still uh, not know what the upside is for the people involved in these shenanigans they just they got on tv you just get man. to be on tv and pretend and they're on the co- fifth I mean, I, that is kind of fun <laughs> like i was seeing the, I, was, I, was, I saw the clips of the of the fake coach like with the headset on like roaming the sidelines <laughs> so and 
hilarious. thought to myself, you know what? I kind of want to do that shit too. Yeah. God damn it, Timmy. I told you. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want to be that guy. You know, At least it was, one day. It was probably the, the same headset that Arnold is wearing in the credits of Different Strokes. <laughs> big, you know, like one of those radio ones with the big thing on it. But I love the fact, I love these fake, like weird correspondence schools and everything. It'd be great if it was like, if that just, because, you know, look, none of these guys on college teams none of them can read I mean they don't go to class there's always a thing there's always yeah. some scandal about like someone trying to get grades or pushing people through in such and such a way so just divorce it entirely and just have yeah. it as like an amateur league before and or Final four, final four. I want to see fucking the University of Phoenix in the final four. Yeah, that's what I want to yeah. see. Versus Barbizon. <laughs> well, Barbizon would be the WNBA school, I guess. Well, uh, I think I'm on, know, the, on the record just saying I want those guys paid. At a minimum, I want them paid. Me too. Me yeah. too. They can be paid, right? Isn't that isn't that happening soon? Yeah, the didn't, didn't courts rule that they the can get Supreme paid? Court this summer in a case that yeah. will eventually trickle its way to baseball. Uh, and its antitrust exemption um, ruled that the NCAA cannot any longer say yeah. that we are going to forbid anyone getting from uh, from getting paid because that would that would you know disrupt the amateur spirit. <laughs> what what is the face? <laughs> you motherfuckers, really, really yeah. the amateur spirit, um, so that you can pocket all the money and they can't. Um, that was their yeah. argument, and uh, and the, the Supreme Court in a nine to nothing decision, driven yeah. which is amazing with derision um, yeah and written by neil gorsuch and also saying like yeah you know in previous times this court has had some tortured reasoning about giving major league baseball an antitrust exemption back in 1922 ah uh, yeah i don't know dude that that's a quote uh, from neil gorsuch uh in the decision <laughs> um, do you remember do you remember um when the whole world or at least the entire united states of america sorry I think I'm 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 gonna start crying. Yeah, yeah. I understand. <laughs> just, just the name of the country. Sorry, yeah. I swallowed something. Um, <laughs> we used to be great. <laughs> we had credibility. So amazing. We could just yeah. stay in Afghanistan forever. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> I, I, they, you know, at least in the past, our imperialism produced like baseball. Where, like Japan, <laughs> Korea. Like, where are the I want Afghan baseball players. Come on, um, the Hamid Karzai beards. <laughs> what would be the name of that team? Do you remember that someone on the Patreon for you? cheap fuckers uh asked us what uh the, the name of the cuban team once it's liberated the havana team should be called and i'm not gonna tell you what we said go listen yeah um oh but you have to pay for that oh <laughs> interesting wow. um so yeah no I, do you remember when the entire country was convulsing uh in just the end of civilization because uh brett kavanaugh was going to be on the court and then he was crying and then matt damon played him crying and then it just kind of went away and everyone was like all right we, i guess we well it went one. away until texas and i know you guys talked about this when i was gone thank god yeah. so i don't have to talk about it but like uh uh there's a lot of reaction to that very restrictive abortion law and the supreme court's refusal to intervene into it um as saying see we were right. <laughs> Cake stand but, you know, guy. News, but the news for the past year has been like, you know, conservatives disappointed with Brett Kavanaugh. You know, and that's always the case is that, you know, the, the, every conservative in the court is, disappoints people. Neil Gorsuch has a, probably the least, or Clarence Thomas has the almost no disappointment record, but uh, then Gorsuch. But everybody is disappointing everybody all the time. But the Kavanaugh thing, I just I remember people, the wailing and the gnashing of teeth, and it just seemed like nobody cared anymore. So, all right. Well, we survived. 
it's still out there. Dan Perkins, yeah. uh, aka Tom Tomorrow, the cartoonist, had this the world's saddest tweet thread tonight. Uh, again, we're doing this on a Wednesday night, talking about like how next time he talks dirty to a woman, it's going to be about how he wants to pack the court and end the filibuster. In res- I don't think he's going to have the opportunity to talk to a just- dirty woman without giving a credit card. So I think you're probably <laughs> probably leave that detail out. But, uh, <laughs> Ouch. Um, Tom, yeah, I mean, it's it's, sad. I know he's like the the Brad Pitt of political cartoonists. No, <laughs> that's saying a lot. He's not. Yeah, he's not. I just ever writing the next time I have a woman in bed, it's like who says that? <laughs> who tweets that? <laughs> I mean, I say that, and it's you know, that gentleman doth protest too much. Oh well, that's, uh, that's how that comes across. Yeah, I wish there was something waiting for me upstairs. It's just. Uh, just rain, <laughs> coffee, <laughs> pattering, flooding, pattering on the. My on the, dudes, uh, my, the I want people to understand. My basement flooded while uh, while this yeah. podcast well, went on. Flooded? Is it over? You finished? You won? As far as we can tell. So what? I don't understand. Are you standing there, and your feet are in water now? I created a, like an an island of sorts. Uh, it's unclear whether the baseball <laughs> card collection is going to get inundated. Most things oh, are no. the Playboys, the from the sixties and seventies. Everything is like up off the ground a little bit. <laughs> Do you really have 60s and 70s Playboys in your house? Yeah, well, oh, God, uh, yeah I wish yeah, I wish yeah. I had all of them. I gave some of them to Joanna, but um, um, yeah, no. When my uh, when both of my grandpas died, I went with you know immediately like holy shit! I hope they don't throw out the Playboys um, because uh, huh. we knew as grandkids where to go in the basement and in the garage, <laughs> uh, respectively. Both of them is usually one perv, but both. Perf wow. appreciators yeah. of post World War II yeah. American magazine. I'm just looking at the the, <laughs> the, the, the Norman Mailer interview on this one. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, there might be some tits in there too. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I haven't looked at them. Uh, I forget. That's, that's an impression of your grandfather. I uh, neither one of them <laughs> sounded remotely like that, uh, but that's great. Like Jimmy Stewart? <laughs> no, uh, cussed old pappy. And then uh, the oh, rakish uh, Jerry Bobbitt. Uh, but uh, at any rate, uh, I, I think that uh, it was uh, <laughs> Walter Welch uh, who had these particular uh, Playboys, and I've lugged huh. them around the, the world. They're wonderful. I mean, they, you, it's like it, hmm. they're as good for the cigarette and liquor and stereo ads right. as anything else. That's all they were. Yeah, um, it's that's amazing, and like the typography of them, it transports hmm. you into a world that's impossible to fathom. And some yes. of those, yeah. I mean, like sexually. The, <laughs> I mean, and wasn't it perfect, by the way, to for for Playboy to say, just for the record, the world fucking sucks right now. We're going to um, get rid of nudity. And it's like, I'm sorry, what now? <laughs> You're gonna get rid of How nudity. long did that last? Was that even a year? It didn't it didn't last it long. It really wasn't but long. Just at even all. the idea that there was one person that thought that and perhaps another one that agreed to it. Yeah. It's you, like you gotta be you gotta I be mean, kidding me. It's really everybody strange. everybody in like mainstream glossy mag world is fantasizing about their pivot to fill in the blank. And nobody mm-hmm. has come up with anything that's good. It's pivot to video, mm-hmm. it's pivot to wokeness, it's pivot to this and that. I mean, we have teen girls magazines that are committed to wokeness and Marxism, for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah, but, but no, it's not written by it's teens, it's just not read by teens. Yeah. <laughs> it's it, yeah. like the the overall numbers are plummeting no but these are as as uh as Moynihan Wells knows these like are are incredibly handsome 
wonderful and like wrong documents like they're great to to see so yeah. oh i think they're right i don't think there's anything wrong with them at all uh there's i mean it, the wrongness the is penthouse like, ones they maybe get a little bit oh god weird. we we <laughs> we yeah it's french yeah it was very sophisticated <laughs> actually had i think the greatest interview with uh, arnold schwarzenegger if i remember correctly there was some it was uh, in we uh, yeah there was a there's a late 70s porno mag interview which was the ultimate profile of a uh, of Arnold uh, back in those days, but like, uh, yeah, no, it's a, it's an amazing magazine. You can't, there's nothing like Robert Shear columns in there and stuff. And it's, it's, yeah, sure. yeah. Robert Shear, you see those interviews. Did many um, of the interviews, as did uh, our friend uh, David Renson, who did the great Larry Hagman interview among many other ones. Um, uh, they're, they're tremendous. So yes, uh, they're, uh, they're all protected here as far as I can tell. And I'm going to walk down to the Gowanus and watch it surge here in a moment oh, and all God. those are code code words by the way don't um, don't oh, get God. pulled into that disgusting yeah canal of death is that it's still like full of battery acid a super fun yeah they've been uh mm-hmm. they've been scraping out the 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 black sludge uh for a couple of years now with the gigantic machines it's actually pretty interesting to watch um but mm-hmm. yeah the, the, the little crabs little uh fiddler crabs in there and and I, we saw a bunch of fish recently so Mm-hmm. Love wins. But no dead, no dead bodies. Us. No dead bodies. Yeah. yeah, you just got crabs. They oh. found they, <laughs> two, two years ago or so. They found a boat <laughs> that, and then like tried to reconstruct the whole history. And apparently, it had been a, a gay party boat in the seventies. Like, what? No. <laughs> I thought it was from like the sixteen, not like the Vikings. And no, it was like, no, it's called the Viking, but it was amazing. <laughs> it was just like just this, sank. this desiccated so much. husk <laughs> of a boat, and like, fuck it, no one's around. No one would ever be caught dead. Actually, they would be caught dead in the Gowanus because the mafia yeah. would have thrown them in the in the canal. Yeah. But like, uh, the other people who were brave enough to go were like childless gay people in nineteen seventy eight, and they had a boat on the on the and like absolutely partied. And so there was a whole archaeology, much more interesting than the archaeology of future Jeopardy hosts, was the archaeology of actually sunken into the black goo gay fun boats in the Gowanus Canal from nineteen seventy eight. If you go to Stockholm, there's a ver- version of that in Stockholm at the Vasa Museum, which is a enormous, beautiful uh Viking ship that has been rebuilt, uh, pulled out of the water. Um, I can't remember how many years ago when it was discovered and, and kind of very carefully pulled out and then reconstructed. Cool. But the greatest thing is uh, it's one of these big tourist attractions. It's like going to be the first on first three of things they're going to list. Maybe the ABBA Museum now, just to be super cliche. But it is it is the usually number one. And you go to the museum and it's this real amazing site. And, and then you read about it and you're like, oh, the ship was like christened, went out into the water, and immediately sank. <laughs> That's it's why like, it's a good it's, shape. It, yeah, it's it's like yeah, this is a a beautiful failure, and that is what you're celebrating. That's what you pulled up is that these guys were not so hot at the uh, at the shipbuilding, to uh, quote uh, Elvis Costello. Okay, you should probably go deal with the the biblical flood that is uh, perhaps overwhelming your. Overwhelming. I, th- I think the keytar is still safe, but I'm not sure. So we're gonna have to uh, put some batteries into it. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Bye. Bye. Say bye, man. I was getting the keytar. <laughs> <laughs> is that what I think just kind of fell off at the end? <laughs> Look at you. Oh all God. Right. All right. Bye. Bye. We, we, we know of new methods of attack. 
Trojan Horse, the fifth column. column.